If you have a Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 8 is our sermon entitled, Declare How Much Good God Has Done For You. The question I want to begin with this morning is, what in the world is happening to our country? What is happening to our world? What is happening in our lives? When will this madness end? It seems like every day we're plagued with more bad news. Who or what can help and bring us lasting peace? Oh, how we long for lasting peace. It's interesting that social media has people who are known uh, as, because they have such a large following, they're called influencers. Influencers. And who are the influencers in our society that can really bring our country the peace that is needed? Let me ask you a question. How powerless do you feel at times like this? How do you feel? What do you think that you and I can do that really can make a difference? Do you ever feel hopeless? What can we do that really brings change? Can we join a a protest? Maybe. Can we write a letter to a government official? Well, maybe. Do we take to social media? Or we know this isn't right. Do we ignore it and just hope that it all goes away? The God of the Bible, the God of peace has promised us that a day is coming when all that is broken will be healed. Did you hear that? It's true. A day is coming. A day is promised. That all that is broken will be mended and healed. But what is the God of peace doing now? Until that day comes. Well, according to God's Word in the Gospel, the God of peace, He's he's making through the power of the Gospel, He's making peacemakers out of you and out of me. These peacemakers are to be the Gospel influencers. The gospel influencers for our day, to bring peace today. The gospel influencers of you and of me. That is what God is doing. As Christians, as the church, we have a vital role. Dare I say, one of the most vital roles in our world today. It's so important to bring His peace And the question is, well, how do I play my part? How do you play your part? What do we do? Where do we go? Well, we always go to God's Word. And God's Word is going to to tell us in an amazingly straightforward and amazingly simple way that God desires for us, who are His, to share our stories, to describe and tell the incredible good news of what God has done for us. We're to share our lives. We're to shine the the light of Christ into the darkness that is around us. How? By showing up and reflecting the glory of God. Luke 8 is going to be filled with some great stories that's going to tell us how to do this to remind us of the power of God, the grace of God in Christ Jesus, and the calling God has for us. There's three things we're going to see this morning. We're going to see the power of Jesus. We're going to hear the fear of Jesus and the call of Jesus. 
So again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. We're going to pick up in verse 22 and read through verse 39. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one listed for you there right on our site as well. Let us hear the word of the Lord. This word will never lead us astray. It's infallible and it's original. Hear the word of God. One day he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep and a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who is this? that He commands even winds and water, and they obey Him. Then they sailed to a country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee, where Jesus had, when Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met Him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time He had worn no clothes, and He had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding near there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. Empower us to walk in a manner worthy of your name, to walk into a broken world as your ambassadors as your gospel influencers for your glory. God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things quickly be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your Son, our Savior Jesus. In his matchless name that we pray. Amen. 
The first thing we're going to see in this incredible story is the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus is so clearly demonstrated in a couple of different scenes of Scripture that unfolds before us. And the first thing we're going to see in the power of Jesus is that He had the power to rebuke the wind. To speak silence over the wind and the waves. And, and here again, I, I love this picture because you have fishermen, you have men who are used to the waters. They're used to being in boats. They're used to storms. But this particular storm was so frightening to them that they thought that they were perishing. And here they have Jesus sailing with them. The one who's in control of all of the storms of life. Resting. They wake him up. He's able to stand up and has the power to rebuke the wind. And the disciples are amazed. It actually says that they were afraid. They went from being afraid of the wind and the, and the rain and, and being destroyed to being afraid of the one who controls the storm. But they marveled. They marveled and they'd asked the question, who then is this? Who can do this? Who has the power to speak to the wind and the waters? And they obey Him. He said, pause. And remember, Jesus had that power then. He has that power now. And He will forever have that power. He is the one. And may our faith grow. Jesus said to them, guys, You've seen me. You've seen me act. You've seen what I've done. Why is your faith so little? Our God has the power to control all things, even nature. I know there's sometimes when we're in the storms of life, sometimes that things look so dark, so ominous, that we lose our faith and we forget the reality that our God is an all-powerful God. That is who Jesus is. He has the power to not just rebuke the wind. He has the power to command unclean spirits to depart. I mean, He could speak a word of of cleansing in a moment. A a man who, who was so broken. A man who was so possessed by a multiple of demons that Jesus had the power, the ability, a legion. Legion often is like a thousand. I don't know how many, but multiple demons. The ability to command those unclean spirits to depart. What do we know about this? Our God is truly in control of all things. That He is greater than the power of evil. Evil is real. We see it. We see evil in places that break our heart, in places that there should be justice, in a place that there should be truth. We see evil. Evil is very real. Evil is very active. It's active in our world. It's active in our lives. Even as redeemed sinners, we still wrestle with the flesh. But we have to remember, especially like times like this, evil has been defeated on the cross of Calvary. Jesus has broken the neck of evil. He is a defeated, vanquished foe as Satan, his demons, and all that is broken in our world. Evil is temporary. It feels like it's a permanent part of our story. And in many ways, until Christ comes back, it will always be a part of our story. But it's not how the story ends. 
Jesus has that power. And lastly, we see that Jesus has the power to transform the demonic uh, into a disciple. To take a man who was not being able to be contained by chains and not being able to be bound. And Jesus has the power to bring transformation to the one that a community didn't know what to do with. The one that a community was terrified of. The one who thought there's no hope for him. But Jesus has the power to transform and to make him a disciple. To make new. That is what Jesus came to do. To to make all things new. Jesus came to, to bring the peace of God and to bring us personal peace. Peace with a holy God through the the righteous life, the atoning death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. And now, here's what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He has not only brought peace into our lives with a holy God, peace with one another, He has made us peacemakers. He has made us ambassadors of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 is going to tell us. He has made us those who are to go into a broken news in a broken world and proclaim good news that God is a God who's in control, that God is a God who's conquered evil, a God is a God who shines light into our darkness, and our God is a God who brings us hope. That is the power of Jesus. Now we see the power of Jesus, we see the fear of Jesus. It's interesting to see the fear, uh, the fear in the faces of those in the story. Uh, the fear we first saw in the disciples saying, wow, man, Jesus has this power over the wind and the waves. But we also see the fear, uh, the fear from the demonic who begged Jesus not to torment him. A man with a legion of Jesus, uh, demons. And I love the description uh, that the man gives, calling Jesus that, that the Holy One, the Son of God, the Most High God, he recognized the reality of who Jesus was, but didn't understand the reality of what Jesus does. And that is transformation. But it caused, the fear of Jesus caused a demonic to beg Jesus, don't torment me. He'll transform him. To cause a crowd. It's very interesting here of the story. As the herdsmen went out and they told the news in the city and the country of all that Jesus done, and everybody knew about this man. Everybody knew that he was an untamed, wild, demonic man and what Jesus had done. And yet the fear of Jesus and the reality of the power, it's incredible. They begged Jesus to depart. They begged him to leave them. Why? Well, Here's the sad reality. Let me ask us to examine our hearts. Are there areas in our hearts that we're asking Jesus to depart from us? You see, the reality for these people was that the economic loss was too great. The herd of pigs was of greater value than the the kingdom of God. The herd of pigs was, was more that they prized than following Jesus who could save and heal their lives. The sad reality about this crowd is this. They cared more about their economic condition than they did about their neighbor's demonic condition. They cared more about themselves 
They care more about their, their revenue, their own interests. And here they have this incredible story. This man is healed. I mean, he's set free. And the power of God is in their midst. They say, will you depart from this, Jesus? This is too great of a loss. This is costing us too much. You've cost us. Would you leave? The reality is this in the gospel. The gospel does cost us. It cost us from finding our hope in the world. It cost us from finding our identity in the world. It cost, us, uh, it cost us to die to ourselves and to live for him. And here you have the, the countrymen. You have the folks who come. And they see, and they recognize this, this man who has been cured and healed. And they say, Jesus, you've got to leave. We're afraid. Interesting, they had great fear. A fear that didn't lead to fellowship. A fear that said, let us part ways. There's also the fear of Jesus that would cause that former demonic, the former demonic, to beg Jesus to be with him. This, this, this man who was so transformed that, that realized the power of God had come in Christ Jesus, the only one that could set him free. And his fear, his fear of Jesus was transformed into fellowship with Jesus. And it's true of all of us in Christ Jesus. God is a holy God whose, whose anger burns against sin day and night. But we don't have to fear that in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus' life was enough. His atoning sacrifice was enough. That God's wrath is appeased. And that we, all of us, broken sinners, we can have fellowship with the God who is. You see, that's the power of Jesus. That's the power of the Gospel. The demons had gone. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I love that because that is the description of where the disciples normally place themselves. At the feet of Jesus. There's fellowship there. There's safety there. There's learning there. And that's where his disciples, and this was where that man that was filled with a legion of demons at one time sat. He's clothed. He's no longer naked. Jesus would take care of his physical and material needs as well as his spiritual needs because that's what kind of a Savior he is. It says that he is in his right mind, no longer tormented by demons, no longer driven away from society. He has been restored, no longer bound by chains and shackles. Man, incredible fear to fellowship of Jesus. And then lastly, we'll see the call of Jesus. That Jesus has for this man, that he has for us, and the call is to go and tell how much God has done for you. Listen, if you are a child of God, if you are a redeemed sinner saved by God's grace, this is God's call for you and for me to go and tell. Go and tell of what great things God has done for us. And what a story. What a story this, this, this demonic could tell. I mean, what a story that he was at one time. Can you imagine this testimony? I was, I was possessed by not just one, but a legion of demons. I, I was driven from my home, he could say. I was driven from, from sanity to live in the cemetery. 
I was stripped of all my social standing. I was stripped of my identity. I became a ba- an absolute madman, a lunatic, an animal. I was unable to be tamed, unable to be shackled. And then I met Jesus. And then I had an encounter with Jesus that ever, forever changed my life. What a testimony. I mean, is that not the most incredible testimony? What a marketing tool for the gospel. This appears to be maybe the ultimate convert. And let me ask you a question. How does your testimony compare to his? <laughs> you might be thinking, man, I mean, gosh, I grew up in a Christian home, got saved at four, you know, or, or maybe you grew up and came a Christian later. But how, how, do your, how does your testimony compare to his? We can feel like, man, we don't have much of a testimony compared to that. But the reality is, listen, our testimonies are really similar. How do you say that? Well, just like this man, we in Christ Jesus have been transformed from an enemy of God to a son of God. Scripture says that all of us by nature, or an enmity with God. All of us, those filled with demons, those who just naturally have nothing to do with Him. That all of us are clothed in His righteousness. That He's, he's clothed all of His children. He was stripped on the cross so that we could be clothed in His righteousness. You see, the reality is, is God has exercised all of my demons. He's cast out everything that kept me from entering into a relationship. And if you are a Christian, the true with you as well. The Gospel will remind us that we were homeless apart from Christ. But now we have a, a citizenship in heaven, a place with Him. Oh, has God done great things for me. And oh, has God done great things for you, believer. Oh, has God done great things for us. And as we realize that, we cannot help but tell that reality. If you're not telling the story of Jesus with your words and with your life, you haven't realized what great things Jesus has done for you. But once you get the taste, the true taste of the Gospel, and once you see yourself as a redeemed child of God, clothed in His righteousness, the blood that was shed to forgive our sins, once you see the beautiful reality that we are His beloved, adopted children in Christ Jesus, then you can't help but tell. Look what God has done for a broken sinner like me. Look what God has done for someone as needy as me. And what does God says? I can't help now because of what God has done to tell your story, God. God is going to tell us to go and tell how much God has done for us. He's going to say, okay, go and tell. But I'm also, God's going to tell us, He's going to pick the context to which is His own choosing of how we should tell, where we should tell our story. And wouldn't you think that Jesus would take this man, this incredible man on the road with Him, Don't you think that Jesus would have him as a prize convert that everywhere he would go, he'd say, let me show you exhibit A. Let me show you this man. Let me tell you his story or let me have him tell you his story himself. And yet, Jesus doesn't take him on the road with him. Jesus sends him home to tell his own 
story. There in his hometown. You see, there in his hometown, he will have the greatest ministry impact. There in his hometown, his story is contextualized. Right there where he lives, Jesus is going to go and tell him, listen, go home and tell everybody, because that's the best context for sharing the gospel, is right where you are. Tell your story. You and I could do that. How do we tell our stories? Oftentimes people are fearful. I don't have much of a story. If you're a Christian, you have a great story. So how do we tell our stories? We simply, listen to this, we simply describe what great things God has done for us. We detail in a a systematic way what Jesus means to us. How His life and death and resurrection has brought us life. We proclaim our story every day. Through our words, through our deeds, God has made each of us as His ambassadors, His storytellers, His influencers. Gospel influencers. And here's what God is asking of each of us. Watch this. He wants you to be you. He wants you to be you. God has made you in His image to tell His story. God has redeemed you in the blood of His Son to tell His story. You are uniquely qualified to tell His story in your voice. Just tell of what Jesus has done for you. Be prepared to tell the story. Scripture tells us to be prepared in season and out of season to give claim of the hope that lives in you because of this gospel. Remember, as Christians, we're never off the air. Remember that we're called to be real. We're called to be real that we live in a time where people love reality stories, reality TV. And what does it mean for you and me to be real? Well, here's what it means. We don't have to be holier than thou. We don't have to pretend we have it all together. We don't have to pretend that we're not sinners that are still a broken mess. You know what it means to be real? It means to confess the reality that we're sinners and we need a huge Savior to come and to save us and to cleanse us. We be real by saying we're sinners that are saved by grace. We are just people who are broken that love Jesus and trust that He is mending us and making us new. What Satan wants to tell you is that you're not good enough to share his story. What the enemy wants to whisper in your ear is that you're not qualified to share his story. That somehow you're going to do it in a way that's going to mess up. It's not true. The reality is this. That God wants you to be you, in love with Christ Jesus. And just say what great things God has done for you. To whom do we tell our story? We tell it to the whole world. We tell it to those that God has brought us into context around us. How scary it must have been for this man to be sent back to his hometown. They knew him. He's like, these guys know my story. They know how evil I was. They've seen me naked, he might say. Think of the weight of that. Think of the shame. The embarrassment. I really understand. I think he probably wanted a whole new chapter in his life. He wanted to go with Jesus and far away from the brokenness around him. 
But God didn't let him go. God said, go into the brokenness of your hometown. Go into the place where the people know your story. Go to the place where people remember of some of the things you've done that weren't Christ-like. And proclaim the good news of what Christ has done for you. You know, it's interesting. The town people did not embrace Jesus because they experienced a miracle. But he says, go into that place and let them embrace Christ Jesus because they experienced a relationship. They saw a miracle of what Christ had done, but they rejected him. So Jesus says, go and love them. Go and be their neighbor. You see, Christians, you and I are called to be gospel influencers. We are the ones to impact the world around us with the good news of the gospel. And it's so important right now. Who are the people that God is placing on your heart to tell the story of the gospel? Who are the neighbors that God has placed you around that need to hear the good news of the gospel? Who in your family needs to be reminded or told of the gospel story? Who at your place of employment? God has you exactly where He wants you at a time like this. God has redeemed you for Himself. Share your story. Share what great things God has done for you. Tell those around you. Tell them the good news of the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. That's what God has called us to do in Christ Jesus. The hope of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the world. We have the cure, brothers and sisters, in Christ. We have a living hope inside of us in this gospel. And we need more than ever in this dark and desperate time. We need as the church, as his children, to share the cure, to share the gospel, to share the light with those around us. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the power of Jesus, the power over creation, the power over evil, and the power to bring transformation. And God, we thank you that in the gospel, that power is clearly demonstrated and you have transformed our fear into fellowship with you. And God, in Christ Jesus, you now have made us gospel influencers. That we as your church are to be the light of the world. We're to be the salt of the earth. How do we help this world? Well, the world needs the gospel more than ever. And we are its ambassadors. We are the storytellers. We are the ones who have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Oh God, may your church be the church you've called us to be. May we be a city on a hill. May we be the light of the world. May we be the salt of the earth. God, don't let us be silent. Don't let us look to a political resolution Don't let us think that someone else's responsibility is to move forward. But God, may we lovingly move forward into the world that you've placed us, into the neighborhood, the context you have placed us. And would you open our mouths because you have moved our hearts to proclaim the good news of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And it's in his matchless name we pray. Amen.